0: This is an EWTN news link. I'm Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection. Hurricane Fiona is bearing down on the Dominican Republic after leaving Puerto Rico in the dark. The hurricane making landfall in the US territory Sunday afternoon, the governor saying the storm came directly for the island. The National Hurricane Center saying maximum sustained winds clocked at 85 miles per hour and the entire island lost power. Senator Lindsey Graham says he's confident Americans would support a national abortion ban. Appearing on Fox News Sunday, the South Carolina Republican touting his proposal for a nationwide ban at 15 weeks, with exceptions for rape, incest, and saving the mother's life. The bill is running into some opposition from both parties, including some GOP lawmakers who don't want to see federal abortion legislation, saying they believe states alone should be making abortion laws. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. I'm Teresa Tamio, and the doctor is in. In with Doctor starts now.
1: The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
2: Hello, Dr. Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good
3: advice from you. Well, I don't know about that. You're right on track with us. You're right on track. My idea, my theory, my guidance... It's a bit of a stretch. Can everybody make a mistake? Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are so wrong. You're so wonderful. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? Someone intelligent on radio. Yay! Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made
0: me
2: feel worse.
1: Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray very good
3: to have you with me as it always is of course i don't know which of you is with me if you're not there you can't even hear me say i'm grateful to have you there if you are there just know i'm grateful to have you there this is e-person monday this is the monday variant to use the word of the doctor is in i uh I thought we began ePerson Monday to take care of the emails that we get. Uh, three years ago, I think Andrew Kruczek my producer man, uh, informed me it's five or six years. Is that true, Andrew? Five or six? Something along those lines? In that range. Which follows the old rule, when somebody asks you when something was and you say, I think that was three years ago, double it you're more likely to be accurate on that now I'm gonna get to your e-persons very shortly here but prior to that I guess a little self-revelation here you know they told us that in grad school sometimes that helps form a therapeutic alliance if you show yourself a human too, uh, my wife and I we've we've been getting in these little tiffs and when we do she brings up the theme. Ray, would you please get out of the seventies? Now, ladies, you know that uh, with us guys, all you have to do is uh, tell us to do something one time, and and we do it. That's right. I don't. I don't need reminded every six months. I didn't want to hear this get out of the seventies stuff anymore. Our anniversary was coming up. And I wanted to get my wife something, and I was going to do it by myself. I'm going to stop this get-out-of-the-70s stuff. Now, I have five boys and five girls. Um, my girls uh, know their mother up one side and down the other. My my boys, uh, they sometimes don't even know they had a mother. Uh, my daughter, Liz, she's the youngest child, and for several years she's been able to run the whole family. My son, Peter, is the youngest boy. And uh, he's in his 20s and uh, still giving his brother wedgies. So these really, these are not the same species. I'm going to go out, get my wife a present by myself. Not only to show my love, but to to stop this get out of the 70s accusation. So I bought her one of those mood rings. Now I can hear you ladies snickering, but I want to tell you... Those things work. They do. When she's in a good mood, it uh, turns green. When she's in a bad mood, it leaves a red mark on my forehead. So I learned these things. Do you have the trouble that I do when you pray? The distractibility factor? Oh, my. I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said, if anything is worth praying it's worth praying poorly what he meant was you don't set out to pray it poorly but you don't not pray it because you say i don't pray it well so therefore i won't do it because you know i could be bordering on sinfulness i don't think distractibility is sinfulness i will be at mass i'll be looking up the priest will be there at the altar and behind him I'll notice a little crack, a little crack in the wall maybe, just a small crack. And I'll think to myself, well, you know, they could uh, they could spackle that crack. You know, if you, you spackle that, you can, you can probably paint over it. But then, well, no, they probably have to paint the whole wall because you really can't get the paint to match unless they have, Still have some of the paint left over. I mean, you go out there, you can probably, you can probably get them to computerize the the mixture, but but even at that, it doesn't really match, and then you're not going to be able to finish that crack. And I, you know, that's like the crack I had in my garage. I had that crack in my garage. I need to fix that. My wife has said, Ray, can you fix that?" And I, and I planned on fixing it, but I was going to do it this Saturday. But, but we're going to the we're going to the game, and uh, it's it's an important game. I mean, they're they're battling it out for first place, and this this is unusual here. And uh, I'm hoping to go Saturday. But I, I think I got the tickets. I'm, who should I? I went from a crack on the wall behind our priest to a battle for the pennant, and it took me approximately what, about 14, 15 seconds, maybe 20 seconds? Gone. And people will say this. They'll get very frustrated. I try to pray a rosary, but I just, I drift. Hey, I've often said on this program, you gather up all the mindful Hail Marys that I've said over the years, and you probably have about three three rosaries, three full rosaries. I think the key to that kind of prayerful distractibility is to keep bringing yourself back. I think the virtue lies in sensing sooner that you're distracted, that your mind wanders. My mind wanders all the time. If I put the rosary in, either through my phone or, I hate to say this, a CD, it shows my age, in the car, it's easy for me to start thinking about something else. Well, then, Ray, why don't you just say it yourself? Because even when I say it myself, I think of something else. I catch myself and say, okay, get back, get back. Think about what you're praying. And I do that, say, for a 16, 17-minute rosary. Oh, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 times maybe. And that's on a good day. But I've learned I never want to stop praying because of my own distractibility. My mind kind of moves fast in the sense that, not that it moves smart, it just moves fast, bounces all over the place. In the sense that if if I'm going to work on a book or something, a lot of thoughts come into my head. Well, that only makes sense. That's going to happen when you try to pray, too. I guess the lesson is Don't not pray because you feel bad about getting lost and leaving your brain behind as your mouth utters the prayers. Heck, sometimes when I do not pray an actual prayer, when I'm just more or less speaking to our Lord, I still get distracted. And I'm the one saying the stuff. Well, as I said, catch yourself, drag yourself back. But I think the last thing to do, don't punish yourself. You do that, and then you feel guilty. I can't even give the Lord proper attention. I don't even listen to the Lord when I'm praying to Him. You start doing that, and pretty soon you're going to pray less. The act of talking to our Lord is what you want to do if you get distracted counted as part of your humanness fallen humanist to be more theologically correct because someday we'll get to a point where we will be able to pray and worship with total attention but you gotta leave earth to do that first i'm dr ray thanks for joining me
1: Did you know Franciscan University of Steubenville offers a Master's of Arts in Catholic Studies? Our unique program offers courses from many academic disciplines. Literature, biology, art, theology, psychology, all taught from a distinctly Catholic perspective. This 100% online program can be completed in just one year. Learn to see the world through a Catholic lens with a Master's in Catholic Studies from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash mcs. In a Facebook world, we can multiply virtual friends. And yet psychologists and sociologists tell us we have fewer and fewer actual friends. This is not good. We're made for friendship. Friendship with God, first of all. But secondarily, friendship with other human beings. Jesus calls his apostles friends. And when he faces his greatest suffering, he asks his inner circle of friends to come and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come, but they fall asleep. Jesus isn't crushed when his friends fail to live up to his expectations. He doesn't withhold his love from them. He doesn't cast them away, nor does he suffer their neglect silently. He confronts them. Couldn't you have prayed with me for an hour? Then he moves on to do the will of his Father in heaven. When friends let us down as they will, we should follow the example of Jesus, lovingly confront them, but remember that they can never substitute for God, who stands ready as our ultimate friend. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on
3: EWTN Radio. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit
0: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity Healthshare, a faith based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity Healthshare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families.
1: Call to see how much you can save.
3: 844 That's 844 If the world hates you because of Jesus, that's fine. If they hate Jesus because of you, That could be a problem. Thanks for joining me here, Dr. A. Doctor is in. E-Person Monday. On the program, when we take calls, one of my principles is, if you disagree with me, if you're critical of me, you jump the line. You're first. If I can't explain my thoughts on a given question or matter, then perhaps I hadn't thought them through clearly enough. Or maybe the disagreement will prompt me to think a little more clearly. I follow the same rule here on ePerson Monday. This came from a, a grandparent, and here's what she said. I am listening to your show right now. Now, when somebody writes you and says they're listening to your show right now, you've got to know there's an emotional push for them to write you. You had a caller who was not allowed to see his grandchildren. That call gave me pause. Uh, the call was this, that the caller was not allowed to see his grandchildren because he was not vaccinated. All right. And as a result, uh, he said, my wife and I, do, we, we don't want to get the vaccination for our, for many reasons. Um and and research is coming in now that is throwing some of this vaccination into question. How, and I use the word vaccination loosely, okay, it's not, in the traditional sense, it's not. So he talked about it, and we talked about the idea that he had to decide whether, in fact, that condition was something he was willing to meet. Okay. My husband and I were in the same situation sometime back. We decided that getting the vaccine was pretty safe okay that was their decision although there unfortunately is evidence coming out some of it is is pretty significant that it's not totally safe It may not be horrifically dangerous but in the words of dr. Fauci many years ago when he was talking about the HIV vaccines he was saying that sometimes you really can't know the effect of a vaccine for many years he's quoted as saying that i saw the video all right so we decided that getting the vaccine was pretty safe and whether we agreed with it or not we preferred to see our grandchildren rather than uphold our own ideologies now see the interesting phrase there which is it's it's their are She's putting it as, therefore, it's an ideology. Uh, but is this ideology based upon something? For example, is it based upon conscientious objections regarding the development of some of these shots? Is it based upon a legitimate fear? Is it based upon a reaction to what they perceived as government overreach, control? But she, in her letter, referred to it as ideologies. In other words, well, this is just how you think. This is just your opinion. And it's not necessarily based on anything. Life is short. Kids grow up quickly, and we did not want to miss any of it. Okay. Good for you that you're perfectly your decision unless there is some reason medically for not getting the shot in my opinion these grandparents are just being as staunch in their opinions on this as their kids are well now wait someone can say no i believe that there is certain data indication that would make me uneasy The grandparents didn't think this was an equal decision in the sense that they're asking their grandparents to get an experimental intervention. And the bottom line is this. It's very clear that children are virtually no risk from lethal complications of COVID. Healthy children, virtually zero. Virtually zero. But yet, these young parents are saying, you can't come around here. And the irony to this is, and we talked about this, is that clearly, and Deborah Burks came out and even said this. It was interesting she said this. She said, well, we knew that the shot would not keep you from getting infected or passing it, but we didn't say it. She came out and said that. I I saw her on a video. Okay, this is not secondhand. So the bottom line is, the grandparents getting the shot would not protect the kids anyway. It would only probably reduce the infection on the grandparents. And that's the one thing the shot does seem to do, which for the majority of people, it does seem to reduce But now there's evidence coming out, interestingly enough, that is indicating that even vaccinated people two, three, four times are not only getting sick, but they're getting seriously sick. Recent study out of the United Kingdom. Big. Okay, so with all that said, what I'm saying is this is not a matter of opinion ideology. This is an interpretation of the data. And the data the way the grandparents interpreted it seemed to be in their view weighing for them in favor of not getting the shot. Now she says the research is controversial. Okay. Let's acknowledge let's acknowledge that it is. What does that mean? If it's controversial. Do you err on the safe side? Keeping in mind, again, that if the research is controversial, then the grandparents are saying, well, then this isn't totally safe. The research is not of one mind on this. And therefore, why would we do this because our young adult children are saying, well, you can't see the kids if you don't. And there's a little, little bit of a... I, don't, I think a, a bullying component there. She says it is pointless to rely on the research in this situation. No, it's not pointless at all. I totally disagree. Completely disagree. Now, this was sent to me about a month ago, and there is more stuff has come out that the the shots or shots or boosters are not doing what they were originally held up to do. That seems to be unarguable. I'm not saying don't get it. This is your decision. Don't mishear me. What I'm saying is if you decide not to, you're starting to get good reason to consider that side. Now, she says this. This is where she gets rough. If you are judging the kids for wanting vaccines, what what does that mean, judging? I'm basically saying this is what the kids have decided. All right, This is what they've told their parents. Don't come around unless you do this. You also have to judge the grandparents for their stubborn attitude in not getting the vaccine so they can be part of the children's life. Is it stubborn? Stubborn seems to imply I'm not going to do something even though it would be the right thing to do. Is it stubborn when you believe that what you're doing is the right thing? If the research is controversial, then there's a similar argument here regarding abortion. Well, we really don't know. When uh, the human person happens in the womb, really don't know. Well, then, if you really don't know, don't you err on the safe side? You know, we're going to demolish that building, and we saw motion up there on the seventh floor, and we really don't know if somebody's still in there or not, so let's just demolish the building. There are two sides to this argument. Well, I believe there are. And uh, the data indicates you can reliably choose a side. And I think you are really only giving your own viewpoint on this. Well, it depends how I define viewpoint. I think my viewpoint, first of all, I'm allowed to give my viewpoint because he called in and asked for it. But second of all, uh, I'm not just giving my viewpoint based on nothing. I'm giving my viewpoint based on caution, and I think, even in the months since this was written, the caution has become more warranted for a lot of people. I love you and your show, but I think you need to give both sides of this. I did. I said, that is what the young people think, that is what they've decided the grandparents are saying we do not want to get this jab for for what is what is really no purpose no reason other than risk to the grandparents the children are not at risk so therefore she says don't look at your own views and those of your guests who agree with you as gospel this kind of follows a template of a an email that I would get who does disagree with me. Typically, they'll say, I really like the show. However, big butt, you had a caller, and I don't agree with how you talked with the caller about the matter. And then they'll say, because in our situation, this is what we did. So, there you have it. What do we got here? Where's that one? Oh, gosh, I got a minute. Hmm. All right, I'll probably have to let, I'm going to have to let this email go because it's a little bit longer. And it's an interesting one. It's one that I wasn't aware of. This particular person who wrote has a PhD in church history. Love that kind of stuff. Love that kind of stuff. I'll just share with you an anecdote. I had a call on this program once. 25-year-old woman. She was in a uh, what would have been considered a, an evangelical college, and she was taking church history. Talked about her and her fiancé becoming Catholic. I said, why? Well, she said, we had a course in church history, and it really kind of shook me up. I said, wait a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. I said, your, spouse, your spouses, your profs, they know church history, at least they're teaching this course. So how do you account for the fact that they're teaching the same thing that is moving you to the Catholic Church and not them. And she said, because it's pretty clear that they're picking and choosing the church history that supports their particular theological perspective and the other parts of church history they're just viewing as, well, this is how those people thought. Well, this young 25 year old had an interesting insight. I'm Dr. Ray. Thank you for joining me. Be back. Well, I don't have to tell you, I'll be back. I mean, two minutes, I should be back.
2: Why does the Catholic Church obligate its members to attend Mass on Sundays? For Christians, Sunday, the first day of the week, or the eighth day, replaces the seventh day, the Sabbath, as the day to reserve for worshiping God. The Sabbath represents the completion of the first creation. When Jesus Christ arose from the dead on Sunday, he inaugurated the new creation Thus, Sunday became the Lord's Day and is now the foremost holy day of obligation in the universal church, as we are told in the Catholic Catechism. We are bound to attend Mass under pain of grave sin unless there is a serious reason for not doing so. Sundays are also called to be a day of rest. Christians are bound to abstain from work which impedes worshiping God and the joy of the Lord's Day. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
3: I'm angry, frustrated. Sound like you? Someone you know? Well, it could be any of us from time to time. But there's different types of anger. It's not so cut and dry. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Ray. One thing is for sure, you don't need to suffer with anger frustration. In my book, Living Calm, Mastering Anger and Frustration, you'll learn whether your anger is a product of your nature or your nurture and how to regulate those emotions and those thoughts. You can get Living Calm and all my other books at AveMariaRadio.net.
2: The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I come from the other side of the tracks. See? <laughs> my uncle used to have slot machines. <laughs> Put one nickel in it and it emptied. <clears throat> and I brought him home in a bag. And my mother looked at me, Where did you get all that money? I said, I won them. You didn't win them, he fixed the machine. I didn't care if he fixed the machine or not, you
1: know. EWTN, live truth,
0: live Catholic.
3: E person Monday, as always, diligently avoiding use of the word male. That's right. Get a few toxic emails, but just want to be linguistically sensitive. Dear Dr. Ray, I am a 28-year-old Ph.D. student. Yep, permanent head damage with no children. And I could listen to you talk about child discipline all day. I'm writing now specifically because I wanted to perhaps clarify something you discussed on your show. A woman called in saying that as she and her husband's physical desire had decreased, she felt that God might be asking her to be celibate, now even within the marriage. She seemed confused about whether she had made a vow or not, and I'm not sure if you were thinking that she had done it without her husband's agreement or not. Yeah, I was trying to get to that. I remember that, thinking that. But you were suggesting that this was something, in this case, you shouldn't do, and mentioned that the church might not support this. You're right. That's true. Because I think what happened was, as, as I read the situation, as the caller explained it, she was deciding, I'm just going to take a vow of celibacy within the marriage because I have no desire for my husband. And I remember the question that I asked was, well, where's your husband in all this? Does he agree with this? And I, I got the sense that, that he didn't, that he, he wasn't willing to go that. Even though their desire had decreased dramatically, he wasn't willing to go to zero. Okay, now this is, this is uh, something I had no idea about. The PhD I am pursuing is in medieval church history. I can say that this is certainly not unheard of in the history of the church for married couples to cease relations at some point and to commit themselves to celibacy from that point on as a higher calling. Now, this is a little different. That I don't, I didn't read at all. Read, I didn't hear at all that the caller was saying that was her goal. It was kind of like, well, we're not interested in each other, so therefore I'm just going to completely withdraw. Again, it all comes down to the intent, I think. Uh, This is a legitimate practice that is completely valid and allowed by the church. Uh, In that sense, I stand corrected because I did not know about the intentional aspect of the higher calling. Even those within the church seem to have forgotten that celibacy, even if adopted in later life, is viewed as a higher calling. Just something to think about in case you ever get another call like that one again. Megan. Thank you, Megan. Good stuff. I learn an awful lot from you folks. I really, really do. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got time. Uh I've been battling IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, for many years with flare-ups during stressful times. We are planning a family beach trip in a few weeks and predictably, predictably, I'm having a flare-up just imagining the eight-hour car ride. Okay, just thinking about it is creating the anxiety, creating the stress, and creating the physiological reaction. My daughter will be driving us. I'm assuming this means she and her husband. She and I have a wonderful relationship. She is a warm, kind person, beloved by many people. But I'm anticipating intense pressure from her. If I'm so bad, I can't go. I really want to go and would feel awful if I had to miss this yearly family trip. Any advice? Now, I did give her some advice, and I'll get to that in a second. But the the one thing I want to address in this beginning email is, it's one thing to put pressure on, but it's another to be upset. In other mom. words, the daughter really wants mom to be with her, Mom says, daughter's a wonderful human being, and her desire to have me with her is because we have a close relationship, and it would be a wonderful time being with each other in the car for eight hours. We could talk about everything. That's great. However, if mom says, I don't think I can, it's going to be awful, it's going to be painful, I I don't think I can do this, Then, then the question is, will the daughter accept that? You hope she would if she is the understanding person that mom describes so here's what I I wrote back sometimes the solution is practical can you get other transportation Then she wrote back to my right back sadly no this past winter we had planned a long weekend family ski trip predictably I developed a flare-up when I called my daughter the driver The day before we were scheduled to leave, she pressured me to the point that I agreed to go. I even drove to her house from where we were supposed to leave. Once there, with other family members in the car, I pleaded with her that I was really not up for the trip. She wasn't her usual happy self. In other words, she was upset at mom. Okay, that answered my question. But I did return home anyway. By all accounts, my large family had a wonderful time that weekend. I regretted my decision, of course. As you probably know, IBS is strongly associated with stress. I feel victim to a gut that seems to have a mind of its own. Any suggestions? Yeah, I'm going to go back to alternative transportation. Even, even if. Let's see. I don't know how long a drive that is. Long weekend family ski trip. I don't know. even if you have to hire somebody to drive you, rent a car, have somebody drive you. If it's a long family trip, get one of the nineteen-year-olds, pay them for the trip, and this way you cannot, you you don't have to be in a position where if the IBS acts up, what do you do now? There are logistic ways around this, but I think that I think the bigger issue is the daughter described as a very easy-going, delightful person, got upset at mom because she didn't feel she could do this. And she has flare-ups just thinking about the idea of being in a car for that long. Very understandable. The solution, I believe, is finding some way to get there, not being in a car, with someone that you can't basically take a break or do what you need to do to deal with it and if you say well no even alternative transportation will do this to me then the reality is you're sort of in a situation ha huh, again sadly where these trips are probably just not
2: with Teresa Tomio, We see so
0: many other issues in the world and in other churches as well. We're all suffering because of our fallen nature. Some of us suffer directly because of the sins we commit. Others suffer because of the sins of others. And that's why we need the divine mercy. That was the message on Saturday, and that was a message I gave my friend. Never, ever, ever let go of the church. Founded by Jesus, I said, what keeps me going is Matthew 16, 18. You are Peter, and on this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it's not the culture and the craziness of the world pushing against the church. It's a church pushing out, being on the offense, not on the defense. That's what we have to remember. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio,
3: Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern. On EWTN
4: Radio. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. John chapter 11, verses 21 to 26. This is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus has died. Lazarus is one of his best friends. Just before this passage, we hear the news that Martha and Mary send word to Jesus that the one you love is sick. And the next line in the scripture is, Now because Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was. His friend's in need. He can heal. They've seen him heal before. And yet somehow, because he loves him, he stays. And Lazarus dies. And then Jesus shows up three days later and is greeted by Martha and Mary, who confront him with the words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. Rather applicable for many of us in our lives. We ask the Lord to do one thing because we're certain it is what we think is best. When in fact, he has something which far surpasses what we asked for. Challenges challenge is, in waiting for that to happen, we go through very trying times, which oftentimes makes us wonder, does he really care?
3: Dr. Ricker, thanks for joining me here on E-Person Monday. I want to give you this interesting little tidbit of an article I came across. And I think it reflects a little bit of, well, okay, I'm going to say our spoiledness. Because we really do live comfortably, entertainingly, and materially. Uh, the typical American has more free time than ever more than five hours per day, according to time surveys by the U.S. Census Bureau and researchers at the University of Maryland, and Penn State. That's a gain of an hour since 1965, and a gain of about four hours since the 19th century, the 1800s. In Victorian England, life expectancy was about 50. Workers put in 60-hour weeks from age 10 until they died. Over the course of a lifetime, you now typically spend no more than about 20% of your waking hours on the job. And experts say there'll be even more free time in the future as life expectancy keeps increasing, work hours keep shrinking. There it is. If you feel too busy, It's probably because you're doing a whole lot of other things than work. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. This is one that I dealt with at great length in one of my books because it is nasty. I had four of my five grandchildren with me for a weekend stayover. My grandson who is going into fifth grade, has had serious medical issues since he was born. Seizures, tonsillectomy, medical prescriptions that caused reactions, spinal taps. His neck swells periodically very large, and he has had many different shots. This young man smiles all the time is as cute as a button, and gets straight A's. All these medical conditions have possibly been the cause of his being short in stature and speaking the way he does. Now we get into the grist of this. His brother, who is going into the 8th grade, makes fun of him, quote, "...talking like a baby." That he says, goofy, in quotes, things. That he, quote, makes things up. He tells his younger brother, who comes up to him to ask a question or to show him something, just leave, shut up, no one wants to hear you. My grandson is scared of his older brother, who makes fun of him, saying embarrassing things in front of others. So all he can do to react is cry. Evidently, this type of behavior from my older grandson has been going on for years. Any suggestions? I think his parents might punish him when this happens at home, and from what I learned, it happens daily. He might take away his electronics for a while, etc. Anything I can do... I was very upset this weekend when the older grandson acted this way. I spoke to him firmly that that type of thing could not happen in my house and that he is terrorizing his brother and how it even upset me to see him bring his brother to tears. Well, Grandma, I would guess that didn't make any difference to brother. Yeah, what can you do? Whatever leverage you have, I think you need to make it clear to that older boy that mistreating, being cruel, his brother and it is cruel will will not be tolerated and there will be significant consequences that you can levy whatever you decide however you decide what food you decide to put on the table whatever entertainment you have planned the fifth grader gets it the eighth grader doesn't whatever whatever you can do now i wrote about this in one of my books and i talked about this being one of those Non-negotiable behaviors of a parent. An older sibling, most of the time it's older. You can get younger siblings doing it to older, but mostly it's older to younger. An older sibling tormenting, being absolutely vicious to a younger sibling. The idea is, well, you know, kids do this. Uh, that's, that's, that's sibling quibbling, a sibling rivalry. That's, that's, that's what they do to each other. You know, they, they'll, they'll defend each other to the death in the end, and, and someday they'll grow up. And they'll realize, boy, that's the best buddy they had. That does not happen all the time. I've been at this long enough to hear people say, I have no relationship with my sibling because he or she was so absolutely cruel to me growing up. I want to know part of him when I got a chance to get away from him. It is up to the parents to stop this. And I mean stop it. In our home, well, you know, parents will say, well, we do stop it. We tell him to stop it. That's not stopping it, telling him to stop it. In our home, our 10 children were very, very close in age. Very close. All under 12 at one point. So it would be quite common if if we were to permit it that certain siblings would take it out on other siblings if we permitted it, which we didn't. Our house rule was completely non-negotiable and fully enforced. You cannot mistreat a sibling. What would be the consequences? Oh, we, we shut you down for a couple days. All privileges. Absolutely. It didn't happen much, to tell you the truth, it didn't happen much because the kids knew early on this is what's going to happen to you. You cannot make fun of a sibling, make fun of their weight, make fun of their looks, make fun of their intelligence, make fun of who they are. You cannot. That is just mean. That will not happen. So, Grandma, I don't know what kind of leverage you have at your place, but my guess is that even though the parents say they discipline him for this, if this is something that happens constantly, then I would also guess that they're not disciplining it as they should. They'll take away his electronics. If it were me and you did this to your little brother, especially one with physical problems, developmental matters, and you did this... It isn't a matter of, I'm going to take away your electronics. It's a matter of, you're not going to get any electronics until I see a long period of decent treatment. I don't know why parents allow this. I know many do. Well, I shouldn't say I don't know why. I do know why. Part of it is they just get lazy. They don't want to discipline a behavior that happens that much. Part of it is they think that the sibling bond can take it. You know, that's what kids do to each other. You know, Sibling bond's pretty strong, it's durable, it can bend, won't break. No, it can break. But even if it doesn't break, it's mean, it's nasty. So grandma, maybe you can talk to your own children about this. Maybe you can tell them what you saw and you can ask them, how much does this happen at home? Do you allow it? No, no, we discipline him. Y- yeah, but with what kind of consequences? And how often? And how much does he do it? Well, if you've got a decent relationship, you can ask those questions. If you don't, step gingerly. I'm Dr. Ray.
1: 60 seconds with Father Mitch Pacwa within the people of life and the people for life That's who we are the people of life and the people for life part of our self-identity the family has a decisive Responsibility this responsibility flows from its very nature as a community of life and love Founded upon marriage and from its mission to guard reveal and communicate love the family and marriage has a mission to guard love, to protect it from false forms of love, from false uses of people, using people and abusing them. It also is to reveal love and communicate love. This is part of the family's and marriage's purpose. You reveal love to the world. You know, people say, oh, marriage is just a piece of paper. That's baloney. This is you saying to the public, I'm loving my wife and my husband and my children till death do us part. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. This program is underwritten in part by the following. This October 3rd and 4th.
0: Hunger is not only for a
2: piece of bread. Hunger is for love. That man lying in the street, eaten up by worms. It is the child of God.
1: Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. Exclusively in theaters, October 3rd and 4th. More information at MotherTeresaMovie.com. That's Mother Teresa Movie dot com.
3: Thank you for joining me, Doctor Ray Gerindy, Last segment of this E Person Monday. Variant of The Doctor Is In. It's from Marlo. Is it okay to ban friends, boyfriends, girlfriends if you don't trust them with your teenager? I'd like to just comment on the way that question is phrased. Is it okay? Parents do this a lot, and they've done it, uh, well, I've been noticing they've been doing it in the time I've been a shrink, which is they're asked permission Am I allowed? Is it psychologically correct? It's as though there there is some kind of guideline that they have to follow as a parent, and this guideline is manifested in the expert's opinions. So to answer that question, I think, is it okay really comes down to the parent's judgment on this, because they're the parent. I have a teenager who will be 18 in one month. She found a boyfriend at work. Ever since, she's been sneaking out to see him, even though I've invited him over many times. Well, you see what she's doing. She's Now she's disobeying. I assume you don't want her to sneak out because you use the word sneak. I also allowed her to get a phone at 17 since she was working and trustworthy. She says, that was a mistake. Do I take the phone, the boyfriend, and the job away? Well, again, you're the parent. I've written so many books trying to put confidence back in parents' hands. The question speaks of, am I allowed? Well, you know how untrustworthy she's being. You know what this boyfriend is like. Now, I know you're thinking, but this could blow up in my face. She could get even more deceptive. She could get more resentful. That could be. But a parent has to make a decision about a child's well-being. Well, she's 18 in one month, Dr. Ray. Yeah, that may be, but again, she still obviously lives at home. So what will you do about this? I had a daughter who was seeing a guy in college that was really bad news and i had to say if you if you see him 2000 of your tuition is going to be yours and if you do it again i'm turning over the whole year to you as far as i know she didn't see him and she realized he was but i i had to i had to make a decision this guy was bad news for her real bad news I'm not going to sit there and go, well, you know, she's 18. She's a freshman in college. Therefore, what can I really do about it? I can do a lot about it because I'm still paying for her college. Then here's where it comes from. The answer to the question, is it okay? Am I allowed? Everyone says I have sheltered her all her life. And now that she's out in the world a little, she doesn't know how to handle it. See, there's the accusation. You did this, mom. You didn't let her have a smartphone sooner. You didn't let her have a job sooner. You didn't let her have a boyfriend sooner. This is all your fault. You see how we put the blame at parents who are trying to be good parents and doing what they think is best in their judgment? I personally wouldn't think that this is why your daughter's doing this. I think it's because she ran up against a guy that shows her a lot of attention. She wants the attention, she likes the attention, and he's become very important to her. I think that's the reason. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that you tried to save her innocence as long as you could. But that's the standard accusation. So I guess it comes down to this, Mom. I can't tell you what to do if you came to me in my office and you gave me a couple hours worth of details we could make some decisions together i would hold out your options and i would say as a parent you choose but the idea that we as parents have to follow some psychologically correct pathway and that the culture especially other parents stand ever ready to say Well, you know, you didn't handle it right, and this is why she's doing this. When you were acting upon your best judgment, and perhaps, maybe you didn't let the rope out with this young lady so fast because you realized that she was capable of running pretty hard when you did. You said she sneaks out. That to me, ratchets up the whole idea of her wanting to do what she wants to do with this guy. And then you also said, I've invited him over many times, but he doesn't come. Why would that be? All righty, This is Dr. A. I thank you so very much for joining me. I appreciate it. And again, please join me tomorrow on this Dr. Is In. Please walk with God. He will always walk beside you if you let him
1: for information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books and CDs visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network
0: Have you noticed that we live in a culture where relationships have become more confusing than ever? If you're looking for straight answers to tough questions about love according to God's designs, then don't miss the upcoming Purified event on November 20th at the Shrine of St. Padre Pio. This life-changing night featuring Jason Everett is for teens over 13 and their parents. Don't wait. Tickets are selling fast. For tickets, visit chastity.com purified. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank Dignity Women's Center for their support of Catholic Radio in San Antonio. Dignity Women's Center promotes the dignity of women by caring for the total person, physical, psychological, and spiritual. To learn more about their services, which includes nurse practitioner and midwife Rachel Heisman, you can call 210-593-4392 or visit them online at DignityWomenCenter.com. Thanks for your support of the Guadalupe Radio Network. After a three-year absence, St. Peter the Apostle Catholic Church in Bernie restarts its fall festival on September 30th and October 1st. Activities include a spaghetti dinner and dance on Friday and a 5K on Saturday morning, followed by live music, food and drink, vendor booths, a kid's zone, and a pickleball tournament. More information under the Ministries tab at sppetersburney.com.
1: Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Thanks for listening to KJMA 89.7 Floorsville, San Antonio. On the Guadalupe Radio Network in South Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also streaming on grnonline.com and on your smartphone to the Jews of Jerusalem in his first sermon on Pentecost, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This biblical language does not mean that those who handed him over were merely passive players in a scenario written in advance by God. By giving up his own son for our sins, God manifests that his plan for us is one of benevolent love prior to any merit on our part. God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paragraphs 599 and 604 in the Catechism.
4: Read and learn more today in the Catechism of the Catholic Church.